0: For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Amen, what an amazing passage. One of these criti- you know, uh, kind of vitally important passages of the New Testament that we kind of have to understand, which tell us so much about what it means to live in Christ. And this morning, I wanna, we've been talking about being um, uh, followers of Jesus. We talking about who Jesus is to us. And so this morning, I want to just kind of pick up on that and kind of remind us of that from this passage. And um, I feel a little bit like Peter when he wrote to the church. So I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth. I kind of think that sometimes we need to remind each other of what it means to be in Christ Jesus, of what it means to have this faith, because it is this faith in Christ that sets us apart from everybody in the world. Hello. People of God, it's this faith in Christ that causes us to live in a different way. It's not because we're religious. It's not because we've got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. It's not because uh, you know, we like to sing. It's not that. It's because we have this faith in who Jesus Christ is that fundamentally changes everything about our lives. That's the hope that we have today, isn't it? That's, that's what gives us a sense of coming together, uh, to be together, to be the church, to worship him. Why? Because we have found ourselves in Christ. Once upon a time, we were not in Christ, but today we are. Do you remember the difference? Hello? Hello? Do you remember the difference? There was a day when we were not in Christ. There was a day when actually we didn't call him Lord. There was a day when actually we didn't sing with praise and worship in our hearts. We didn't come with a sense of belonging together as the people of God. But today we find ourselves in Christ, and it changes everything, folks. It it sets us apart. It gives us a different perspective on life and on him. And that's what Paul is trying to remind the Ephesians of as he writes here. That's what he speaks about. And he gives us three things that are vital to understand about what jesus has done in our lives he only got three points today that's a short sermon honestly right there sometimes i've had 15 honestly you're on a winner today folks only three points and i want to just consider them about what it means to live in christ today to be found in christ because listen either being in christ means everything or it doesn't mean much at all There's, there's no there's no difference either it's everything or, or or it doesn't mean much and you know I sometimes think we we forget what it means to be in Jesus we forget what it means to live with a conviction that I am a child of God and I'm in Christ and so I want to talk about it today and try and help understand it firstly we are alive in Christ come on we are alive in Christ amen Dave what a great point you know, sometimes it's all right to tell yourself, and remind yourself that actually you're alive in Christ. I don't mean you're alive, alive, although some of you might need some help with that right now. I mean that some of you are, we're alive in Christ. There's something happiness. We've been changed and we've come alive. We've been made alive. The thing about understanding being alive is that I have to recognize that you were dead without Christ. See, that's the important bit. See, we're all alive. We're all breathing. Here's the amazing thing, is we're alive to the creation but sometimes we're dead to the creator. We can be alive in the creation. We can breathe. We can move. We can see it. We can touch it. We can feel it. We can smell it. We can do all that. But actually, we can be dead. The Bible tells us, without Christ, you are dead to the creator. And so we, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to bring us back to life in ourselves. That we would bring us from spiritual death into spiritual life and that is the starting place for our faith today i've become alive in him i've become alive in him And this is what the scriptures teach us through their account of Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, when it talks about God creating the world and creating Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were alive to him. They understood him. They walked with him in the garden. There was a sense of them being alive and knowing who the creator was. And in that perfect environment, in that environment of having every need met, only one prohibition came to them, and that was do not eat of the tree of knowledge. Only one thing. Isn't it the heart of man that the one thing you're told not to do? (laughs) You ever seen that? I think it was an episode of Friends one day when they had a button on the wall that just said, do not press. And they were sitting in a waiting room with a big button, do not press. And after a little while, (laughs) somebody pressed it. Doesn't that just sum up humanity? Do not eat of that tree. But then someone said, it can't possibly mean... Did not eat of the tree. But when he ate of the tree, death came into his life. And Adam and Eve were banished from the presence of God. And sin came into the world. And since then, every one of us have been living with that separation from eternal life that that Adam and Eve brought in. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all people sinned. Hey, we all know it, don't we? We're all sinners before God. We come off okay if we compare ourselves with one another. You know, we can look better than me. It's not hard to look better than me, friends. But when we compare ourselves with God, we understand we're all sinners. When we bring ourselves into a relationship with him, when we understand what it means, we recognize that Death came to all people, and that includes me. And Paul here in his letter talks about it. He describes it. He says, we were dead in transgression and sin. He says, listen, nothing in us was alive to God. We were out of it. We were, we were totally lost. He said, all of us lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Friends, we understand that, don't we? The cravings of our flesh, the things that draw us, that cause us to do stuff, the things that, uh, that draw us in and say, you know what, I just have to do this, uh, and I'm not going to live, I'm not going to worry about the consequences of it. It take hold of me. That's what sin does in our lives. And then he says this, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Like the rest... We were by nature deserving of wrath. He says, listen, there's nothing about us believers that sets us apart from deserving wrath. It's only by faith in Christ. It's only by being made alive. And you see, this is the first thing that we need to understand. That's the backdrop of our world, that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. I want you to take a moment to think about that in your life. No matter where you've come from, no matter what's gone on, actually your sin, the Bible tells us, has separated you from God. And it's only in coming to God with, with that repentant heart do we find that reconnection with him. And this is the message of the gospel. You see, the position of those without Christ is that they will perish. We don't like to say that too much nowadays. We don't like to talk about it. But the most famous verse in the Bible Expe- uh, expresses it so clearly John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life the most famous verse in the bible says that actually without Christ everybody perishes and that's the message of the gospel that actually without Christ we perish you know, people say to me, Dave, I don't need your faith, I'm a good person, I'm all of that. And I say to them, well, you know what, that's fine. But it's not about whether you're a good person. It's a, the fact is, we're all perishing outside of Christ. People say to me, am I going to perish because I did this and because I did that? And I'm going to say, no, you're going to perish because you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. And outside of him, you cannot be alive in, in, in eternal life. It's only with him that you can enter into it. The hope of the gospel is that for those who are in Christ, we can come to life in him. We are made alive in him. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace You have been saved. It's maybe one of the most profound verses of the Bible. Uh, His great love for us. There's the motivation of God. That he loves you. That he wants you to be alive. That's, That's his motivation for you. It is the character of God because he's rich in mercy. He doesn't want to condemn the world. He wants to save the world. He wants to have mercy on it and bring them into him. Then we see the power of God. He has made us alive in Christ Jesus. And then we see the favor of God. It is by grace you have been saved. God wants to raise you up. And that's why Jesus came. And through the sacrifice that he made on the cross, he brought us life through his death. And so we've been made alive in Christ this morning. The second thing we have is we've been raised up in Christ. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed to us in his kindness in sending Jesus Christ. See, here's the deal. Not only have we been made alive in Christ, but we've actually been raised up. Don't you love that? Not only have we become aware again of his presence, but we've also been brought right very much into the presence of God. This is the hope of the people of God. This is what it means to come to Christ. It means that we've not only been made alive again to the the presence of God in our lives, but actually we've been raised up right into the presence of God. We've been given access to him. It's not as if we were just made alive and were able to look at him from a distance and say, hey, that's God over there. It's as if we've been brought right in to the presence. Of God. It's as if all of a sudden a door has been opened and we've been brought right in and seated. It says seated in the heavenly realms. What does it mean? It means that actually, uh, literally in eternity, we're going to be seated in the presence of God and able to know Him and call on Him. It means that we've been brought back into relationship with God. The thing that had been broken, the thing that had come between us, has now been uh, made a way for us to come right into His presence. We have been given access to the Father. And if you read uh, the beginning of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the blessings that come from this. It talks about being chosen. It talks about being adopted, redeemed, forgiven. It talks about the Spirit being placed with us. It talks about being made sons and daughters of God. Why? Because when you come and are raised in Christ, you're not just brought back to life, but you're then brought into the family. See, wouldn't it be terrible if you were just brought to the edge of the presence of God and could not enter into his life? If you could just watch while well, God revealed Himself as an awesome, powerful God who you could not have any relationship with, you could just sit and look. Do you remember the story of the uh, prodigal son? The son who said to his father, I want everything of my share of the inheritance. I know you're not dead yet, but I want it all. And then he took it all and went away, and he said it spent it on wild living and just wasted and frittered away everything that he could possibly do. And it was only when everything had gone and all his friends had left him and he was feeding the pigs that he began to realize, actually, you know what? maybe there's a chance for me to have life again. And he says to himself, I will go back to my father and I will say to him, make me like one of your servants. See, what he understood was he had blown his chance to be a son, but maybe he could still have life. And it says he walks back to the uh Back to the place, back to his father. And his father sees him a long way off and comes running to him and throws his arm around him and kisses him and says, My son, my son. And he gives his little speech, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a servant and I'll just have a space in your domain. And the father says to him, Son. You can almost see him saying, Son, don't be stupid. You're my boy you have a place with me. And he brings him right into the house and he kills the fat calf and he throws a party for him. Why? Because the father is not wanting you just to have access. He's wanting you to come and sit in the house with him. God doesn't want you just to know him and be aware of him. God doesn't want you just to go, well, you know, he's God and I'm not. God wants you to come and call him father. He wants you to come and call him Lord. He wants you to come and sit with him and have access to everything that he has for you. The psalmist said it like this, he lifted me up out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Friends, if that's all Jesus did for you, that would be enough, wouldn't it? We couldn't complain about that. He lifted us up out. He put put us, all the, the stuff that was holding on to us, he brought us out of it. Wow, what an amazing God. But then he says this, no, then he put my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. See, that's what God does. He doesn't just make us alive, he sets us free. And then he says, and then he put a song in my heart, a hymn of praise to God. See, God just doesn't want you to be free from the past. He wants you to be able to stand strong in the future that he has for you, and he wants you to be able to sing with a free heart. Actually, you know what? God has changed my life. and A hymn of praise starts to well up inside the people of God because of what he's done for us, because of how he brings it into our lives. It's an image of a relationship being restored with God. God has made you alive in Christ so that you can understand him and come back to him. Then he's raised you up in Christ and seated you in his presence so that you can know him and experience everything that flows from knowing him. It says there, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy And find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that description of the throne of God. It says, let us approach the throne of God with confidence. Wow, what an amazing concept. That we could come confidently. One of the translations says, boldly into the presence of God. See, when you can come boldly, it changes your perspective. See, if you have to come tentatively, if you have to come, you know, not convinced that God will accept you, if, you know, and that's what religion does. Religion says, you have to do this, 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 and this before God will accept you. And so you come to church and you think, well, I'm not very good. I haven't prayed very much this week. I haven't given much in the offering. I've done a lot of things wrong. God will never receive me. Friends, that's religion. Christianity is, hey, I've come alive. I know God. And no matter what state my life is in, I can come boldly into his presence. I don't know you, but sometimes I just run into the presence of the Lord and I know that I'm a wretched sinner, but I know that I'm his son and he accepts me. I know that he loves me no matter what's going on. I know that uh, other people might think I'm a stinker and they might just be right, but he accepts me as his son. He accepts you as his daughter, as his son. He brings you into that place. And all of a sudden, we're able to come with confidence. And it says there that we may receive mercy, mercy and find grace. You know, that we might come and we might just experience the goodness of God. All of a sudden, uh, we, we, we can come boldly before him. We say, Lord, I'm not here because I deserve to be. I'm here because I'm alive in you and because you've raised me up. And all of a sudden, I'm able to say, God, I come looking for mercy today because I know I've blown it. And mercy comes to us. See, sometimes we're not that merciful, are we? Hello. Sometimes we're not willing to act mercifully. But the Bible says, come confidently. Sometimes I go to say sorry to somebody, and I'm not sure of the mercy I'm going to receive. How about you? I'm sorry I did that wrong, and they just make you squirm on the end of your little apology for a while. Anybody else like that? Sometimes I'm a bit like that. See, because mercy isn't necessarily the thing that we're all good at. But you come into the presence of God and you say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I failed you. And I don't have to come in trepidation, I can come confident and say, Lord, I've blown it, haven't I? And he said, yeah, but it's okay. Because there's mercy here for you. And there's grace for you. There's favor, there's delight, there's blessing, there's abundance. Why? Because God brings us into his presence. Being raised with Christ brings a transformation in how we look at things. Colossians says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand. You see, when you know you've been raised, not just made alive, but raised up into the presence of God, you start to see things differently. You start to see your life differently. You start to see the circumstances of life around you with a different filter because you understand, hey, this this is my perspective now as a child of God. Once upon a time, I'd have seen that negatively, but now I see that God is still perfecting his work in me. Wow, isn't that a different perspective? Once I'd have reacted with a hostile heart, once I'd have got self-centered about that, but now I'm I'm setting my mind, I'm setting my heart on things above, because that's where my reality is. My reality is not what happens here. My reality comes from what God has said will happen in eternity. Hello, people of God. You're all a bit sleepy this morning, aren't you? I understand. But you know, this is the truth, isn't it? See, see, this week, the challenge for you to follow Jesus is not in the big things, friends. It's in the little things. It's in these moments, am I taking my reality? Am I seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Is that what defines who I am today? Or is it the fact that life is tough or I'm tired or I'm waiting for my holiday or whatever it is? Friends, all those things are part of life. But in the middle of that, I have to say, actually, I've been raised to life in Christ. And therefore, it's what he says that determines how I act today. Not not what the situation says, not what the circumstances surround me say, but what he says. Because that's my hope. My hope is that I'm going to be with him in eternity. Hello. What's your hope today? Honestly, Christians, we need to find hope in our promise in Christ. Because honestly, if our hope is in what we can achieve in life, most of us are in real trouble. Hello. But if our hope is in who Jesus is and what he's done for us, then actually things start to change. And then number three, so we've been made alive in Christ, raised in Christ, and then it says this, we've been created in Christ Jesus. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Listen, we're created in Christ. God has designed us and given us a purpose in him. And it's out of that that we live. It's out of that that we move. It's out of that that we say, hey, God, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is how I'm going to live for you. And it's, friends, it's not complicated. You know, sometimes we make following Jesus more complicated than it really is. Sometimes we make it kind of like, oh, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm called at. I don't know what God wants me to do. Here's, here's what God wants you to do, friends. He's created you to do good. You know, this week, you can fulfill the purpose of God for your life by doing good. Hello first way you could do good is to smile yeah that's better isn't it then we all feel happier see see the truth is we we've, we've got to believe at church we've been created in Christ to do something you know we haven't been created in Christ to have something just to have something we've been created in Christ to do something God has given you new life so that you can do what he's called you to do in fact it uses this amazing word handiwork God has invested some of his own creativity and power in your life so that you can use what he's given you to do good for others that's that's the purpose of your life is to do good to others and for others listen in an increasingly self-obsessed world where it's all about what is in it for me And how do I come out of this? And what do I get from this? And what does this work for me? We are reminded that the purpose of Christ in our lives is to get us to do good to others. You want to follow Jesus? Do good. Honestly, it's as simple as that. If you want to tell other people about Jesus, do good. Find yourself. Look for a way to do it. You know, sometimes we kind of like work on the basis that, well, if something comes along, I'll do it. But you know what? Sometimes we've got to look for an opportunity to do good to people. Hello. Oh, you're not liking it this morning, are you? I can feel the resistance in the room. Oh, thanks, Charles. You get your tenor later. We see sometimes we just have to say, you know what, I, I need to do good to people. I need to move from uh, just this life of, of it being just about my experience and what I'm having to actually know I want to do good to others. The first person we do good is to God. Sometimes we do good to God just by actually bringing a sacrifice of praise. Yeah, Lord, I'm in a storm, but I'm going to worship you. You know what, I'm going to do good to God. How many of you know that God responds to your heart? So when you gather at the church or whether you sing on your own, friends, you know what, a singing heart does good to God. Sometimes I have to remind myself not to moan so much. How about you? No, not me. Why? Because actually, God sees it. The people around us see it. And so the Bible says we have to do good. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. You see, we need a shift in our attitudes as followers of Jesus. If we're going to do what the words called us to do, then actually we need to say, hey, I've been created in Christ Jesus to do good. It's not just an incidental thing. It's not just something that I can maybe do if I get a possibility. Actually, God wants his church to do good on the earth. Let the light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Actually, the church should be full of good doers. Our city should be impacted this week by the good deeds of the church. Hello. That's what's going to change lives. That's what's going to get people to see we really believe this stuff. That's what's going to get people to understand that this isn't just about our own little uh, self-obsessed spiritual experience, but actually it's about, you know what, God's called me to do something bigger than just live for me, and it's to do good to others. It doesn't really matter how you do good. It doesn't really matter whether you speak it or whether you act it or whether you sing it or whether you serve it. It doesn't really matter. What matters is we do it. That we actually take time. It says in Luke chapter 6, do to others as you would have them do to you. In other words, what you would like to receive, be that to other people. Wow. See, that's a way you can change lives, isn't it? If you'd like people to smile at you on the bus, hey, guess what? Smile and wave. See, that's just a little step, isn't it? But it changes people's lives. Because instead of you sitting there waiting for people to treat you nicely, guess what? You treat them nicely. See, that's what Christianity is about, friends. I sometimes think we get it so wrong. We're all like so intense and so spiritual. Jesus says, do good to those who don't deserve it. Hello. Shall I pray about it first? No, just do it. Shall I ask God for a divine appointment? No, just be nice to the next person, you see. Honestly, sometimes we're waiting for heaven to move, so just to tell us to be nice to a person. We become so overcomplicated says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power and guess what he went around doing miracles yeah he did do that he went around preaching amazingly yeah he did do that he went around raising the dead yeah he did do that but the first thing he did was he went around doing good now I don't know how many of you are raising the dead and doing miracles but can I suggest that if you're not doing good you probably won't get to the others hello See, we need to understand, God's called us to serve him with a glad heart and to do good to others. There is a fight on for the heart of people today that the the whole message of our world is you can have everything you want, when you want, how you want it, don't worry about the consequences. It's about self, self, self. The kingdom of God comes and the message of the kingdom of God is not self. The message of the kingdom of God is sacrifice. Hello. Not too many amens in the house this morning. God's called us to sacrifice. God's called us to say, actually, I'm going to serve him. Because actually, he's created me to do good. Listen, don't worry about what God's gifted you to do. Worry about good that you can do to people who you meet. The Bible says, doesn't it? let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers this is the call of every opportunity of every believer let us do good at every opportunity i don't know about you but i think there's a serious shift i need to have in my mind about that don't you sometimes i think you know i can disqualify doing good for being busy hello Sometimes we can just be too busy. We need to filter our life. We need to begin to say, you know what, is this actually an opportunity for me to do good for other people, or is it an opportunity for me to do good for myself? Hello. See, very often we'll take all kinds of action if something's going to be good for us. But we won't take much action if something's going to be good for someone else. But Jesus taught us to be absolutely radical. He challenges us deep in our heart and our spirit. As we have opportunity, let us do good. I wonder if you'll pray with me this morning for an opportunity to do good to someone this week. Or even today. Not for an opportunity for you to get ahead or for you to be blessed or for you to change and have something wonderful for you. But just for you to do something good for somebody else. Because you know what? I think our city could be impacted by that kind of love. For willing to say, you know, this isn't about what I get. This is about what God has created me. I've been created in Christ Jesus to do good to people who maybe don't even deserve it, but who need it. I've been created to be a blessing to people. I've been created to be a solution for people. I've been created to be a kind word for someone. I've been created to be someone who can bring uh, comfort and help to somebody in need. I don't need to to have all that for myself. I just need to be able to do what God's called me to do. I've been created in Christ. So I want you to see today the work of Jesus in your life. He's made you alive. The power of sin has been broken, and you have been made alive to God in Christ Jesus. You've been raised up with him. Jesus has lifted you up from where you were. He has brought you out of the mirey pit, but he's not only placed you on a, with your feet on the rock, but he's actually put a song in your heart, and he's given you access to his presence. You've been raised up so that you might know him This is the relationship that God has brought you to enjoy. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then you've been created in Christ Jesus. God has established you in his kingdom that you might live your life with a sense of purpose that I might do good for the sake of the kingdom of God. Worship team are going to come back, please. I just want us to pray now. Before we sing a song just to close our service. and Maybe this morning uh, you're here today and you're not yet a Christian. Maybe you're here just because somebody invited you to come or maybe you've been a few times. I've just tried to explain this morning what Jesus has done for you. He's come so that you can be alive to God. He's come so that you can be raised up. From not having a relationship with God to coming boldly into his presence and experiencing everything he has for you. That, that's what Jesus has come to do. He wants, he's given you the ability to serve him. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so just as we come to the close of our service this morning, I just want us to be open right now. Maybe you're here and you say, Dave, I, I want to be alive in God. I know I'm not. I'm, I know I'm far off. I know I'm not really able to come close to him. I felt that separation of sin all these years of my life. I want to give my life to Christ today. Then I just want you to just uh, do something very simple just before we close our service this morning. I just want you to look up at me and put your hand up and say, Dave, would you pray for me? If that's you this morning, you're in the place, would you just do that? Bless you. I see you. Thank you. Put your hand down. That's great. I'll pray with you. Anybody else? great. Father, I just pray for, Lord, this man, Lord, who's responded to you this morning. Lord, your word says, Lord, that when we put our faith in you, that when we turn to you, Lord, which is what my friend has done today, Lord, when anyone turns to the Lord, Lord, there is life. And so, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you bring, Lord, Lord, each person, Lord, to you that they are made alive in Christ Jesus. So I pray for my brother this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon him right now and he would know the love of God, Lord, that has changed so many of our lives, that would change his life today and that would bring him hope. Lord, it would make him alive in you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to raise him up, Lord, and seat him, Lord, with you. And I thank you, Lord, that you're creating him in Christ Jesus to do good work this morning. Thank you for your truth, Lord. Lord, I just pray for the church this morning. Brothers and sisters, I just brought you this word this morning because I just believe that it's it's maybe a challenge from the Holy Spirit. We're created in Christ to do good works. We're created in Christ to think differently about our lives, about the purpose of our lives, to stop living so self-focused and to start to see how we can use our lives to do good to people. It doesn't have to be massive things, just has to be things in the run of our lives that we can serve God. And so even this morning, brothers and sisters, I just know the Holy Spirit is speaking today just about making the most of opportunities. So Father, I just pray over each one of us today. Lord, as we seek to serve you, Lord, as we seek, Lord, to fulfill that creation purpose in our lives, I just pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to do good, Lord. To do the good works that you've created us to do. Lord, whatever they are, it doesn't really matter, Lord. But help us to do it intentionally, Lord. To give ourselves to it, Father. That we might be, Lord, like you in how we live, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.